You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block Ripping up fantasy stock Working around the clock Look at the view from the top Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods, yeah One in particular, I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock uh. Browning, brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett, yeah the man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use the take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean, dire because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round Table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. And as our logo clears out, you don't have to blink. You are actually seeing all three of us together reunited and it feels so good. Even Dennis didn't know this reunion was going to happen two minutes ago. But we are all here because we are excited for some divisional round football. And hopefully the games will be good. Matt, Dennis, how are you guys doing? Oh, oh. there we go. Thanks for unmuting me. I'm doing phenomenal. It's Friday. Super weird day at the office. But I came home. I put on my uh, OSU School of Music dad sweatshirt. Excited for my son to start in the fall. I'm like, you know what? We're going to talk some football. We're going to have some camaraderie, and it is just, you know, I'm looking forward to some great games this weekend. Should be at least two good matchups. Yeah, um, I'm good. Ready to talk some football. Excited for, for the weekend. It's been a, it's been a fun couple weeks. Is that Season a quarter down, so. in there, Matt? No, just what? a regular sweatshirt. Just a regular nice. sweatshirt. Sweet. I didn't get the Ohio State memo, but I've got my Broncos, and underneath, I I went with campus to can, but it's a little chilly down here, Uh, so I left the pool over on. 
Well, uh, before we dive into looking at the uh, games, uh, there was some news. We didn't exactly have the kind of Black Monday we expected with head coaches, but we've had like Black January for assistant coaches. Uh, If you were here on Monday, Dennis and I talked about, you know, what would happen to Brandon Staley. Nothing happened to him, but uh, Joe Lombardi, uh, their offensive coordinator and also their quarterback coach were fired. So, I'll start with you, Dennis. How do you think this will impact the Chargers moving forward? You know, I, I feel like offensive coordinators are going to be beaten down the door to get a chance to work with Justin Herbert. And, uh, you know, there's still some good years left of Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, uh, Keenan Allen. You know, would I be surprised if they tried to move on from Keenan at, what, 30, 31 years old? wouldn't be surprised but I don't I don't know how easy his contract makes it but to get a chance to come in work with Justin Herbert design an offense around his skill set you know he had a down year this is what year three for him so we've seen yep, what he can do year three the the last couple of years I think recency bias has some of us some people out there going, oh, well, he's probably just not that good. Well, no, he's pretty good. And he's got a, a, a lot of a, a lot of talent. And I think offensive coordinators uh, are going to be lining up to try to get in the door to hitch their wagon to that uh, that arm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think it's going to be a key hire for Staley as well. I mean, he I, I don't think he's going to get to survive another couple of years. It really seemed like after the collapse in that playoff game against the Jags, he was going to be fired. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit disappointed he wasn't. I just do not. And it's not necessarily anything against him, but this team just continues to have these incredibly weird collapses in the end of games. And I think a lot of that should fall on the head coach, not necessarily the offensive coordinator. Cause they, I mean, they were able to put up 27 points in the first half. Granted some of that because of the defense getting the turnovers that they did, but just, just a weird situation altogether. Uh, but I think it's a massive hire for him as I would imagine if things go the way they did again this year, even with the new offensive coordinator, that Staley may be the next one uh, uh, coming off the block there at, uh, for the Chargers. You know what's amazing is I did not realize Lombardi was going over there and also calling the defensive plays during that collapse. I mean, he obviously deserved to get fired for uh, for allowing that. Oh, wait, that wasn't him. Nice, nice scapegoating. Um, I forgot to put this one in the sheet. I knew I forgot one of them. But Greg Roman is out as offensive coordinator in Baltimore, and that led to a torrent of comments from the Baltimore Ravens general manager and John Harbaugh affirming how much they love Lamar Jackson and that he will be back. Matt, do you think this puts them – this is a first step toward wooing him? I don't know. I, I do think it was a – I don't want – it's never – Good to say it was good to see someone get fired. A lot of what we've heard the past couple of years and why they've drafted the offensive pieces that they have is to kind of placate to this Greg Roman offense, which I do not think fit really Lamar Jackson's play system. I think he got a lot of, you know, positive publicity for what he was able to do. For those of you who don't know, he was with Harbaugh's brother, John Harbaugh. Wait, Jim, 
Jim, John? I always get those two confused. Jim Harbaugh is the Jim brother. Harbaugh. John Harbaugh is yes. the Baltimore. Is the one with the Ravens. Jim Harbaugh, when he was with the 49ers, and what he was able to do with Colin Kaepernick, and that's why everybody thought it was such a great move for him coming over here with Lamar. But it just was not working out at all. I think it was good for them, I guess, to get rid of him if that's something Lamar wanted. I don't know that Lamar has come out and said he had anything against Greg Roman. I still don't know that Lamar comes back. Uh, it feels like maybe it's just season. Things got a little bit heated, but it definitely seemed like things were not in a good place last that they talked with Lamar in, in that front office. We'll see what happens. But I don't think bringing in a new offensive coordinator after, what's it been, five years now? Four years of, yeah, of five, that no, to, to see if there's something new. Because, I mean, that's the thing. They don't really use anything outside of the running back tight end and then Lamar's legs. And Lamar has talked about how he wants to be a better passer and work more from in the pocket. And didn't seem like Greg Roman wanted to do that. Maybe they'll draft some wide receivers and try and build around that. Uh, but, again, I, I would say the same thing. I know it's crazy to say that John Harpaugh, might be on the hot seat, but I think this is a massive hire for him as well, because if they want to bring Lamar back, I think they're going to have to get his approval on whoever they hire. You know, Greg Roman next to Kyle Shanahan probably is one of the best run game designers in the league. And I'm not sure where the disconnect comes with him acknowledging that the passing game is equally as important and has to be, you know, developed more. Lamar played in a pro-style offense at Louisville under Bobby Petrino. He had a, what was it, 36 touchdown pass season in 17 or 19, whatever year that 19, I think it was. Super efficient year. I'm not saying Lamar should have been throwing the ball 700 times like Tom Brady, but he's he has the capability, but I just don't think Roman was invested in developing the receiving core in the receiving game uh, at a rate which Lamar wanted it to be developed, and rightfully so. I think Lamar Jackson is an immense talent and can throw the ball above league average. Uh, I'm not going to say he's the best. He, you know, he doesn't have Patrick Mahomes throw the ball skills, but he's good at throwing the ball. The new offensive coordinator in there, I think he's going to have to redesign the offense completely. And I don't know if that's even going to be enough to make Lamar want to stay. Ultimately, his the worst things that could happen is they franchise tag him and he sits out. I don't know that, you know, to me, that's a, that's such a stalemate that I don't know that they'll ever get to that point. but. He wants a guaranteed contract, and I don't know that they're willing to go, you know, $250 million all guaranteed. I think Lamar needs to hire an agent and stop trying to negotiate himself. And the Ravens, no matter who they get for offensive coordinator, have got to find some flipping wide receivers. Do you know what the commission is on a $250 million contract? You don't think he wants to keep that for himself? But his whole self-negotiating is not – not well, working out. He's going to get franchise tagged. If you listen to those comments, they said we are not going to. They send one of them said we're not going to let him go, which you know makes total sense if you're Baltimore. Right. That was probably DeCosta. Yeah, Matt, you were trying to say something. 
Well, I was going to say, it's not him, right? It's technically his mom is his agent who, who negotiates. I believe it's his mom who negotiates everything. It's not necessarily even him. So That does not make me feel any better, I have to be honest. Speaking of you're not, news. You're not down with the LaMomager? Speaking of news that uh, probably left us all scratching our heads, in a more surprising news, the Steelers offensive coordinator, Randy Canada, is returning. Dennis. Matt Canada. Matt Canada, sorry. Uh, Randy Canada sounds sounds yeah, better. It sounds yeah, better. Canada, I remembered the last name was Canada, and I think I actually wrote Randy Canada. You said Randy Canada. I immediately thought of Randy California. Uh, Matt Canada is thing. returning. Dennis, does this seem like a good move? It, it doesn't seem like a good move, but it seems like a Mike Tomlin and Steelers move. I mean, it, that's an organization – that you know lean stability over so much more and he's never had a losing season so yeah the the belief that you know another year of getting a year of experience under Kenny Pickett's belt um, is going to be helpful getting a new draft class in there maybe with a, a couple uh, offensive linemen from the draft class or free agency to, to help that out I, I see all of that as being a, a selling point to say, you know what, we there's been enough good that, you know, with Ben gone now, we, we're going to, it was obvious with Ben leaving, we were going to go through some growing pains and some changes. And so that's where they're at right now. And, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, you know, we want fireworks, but from an NFL coaching standpoint, they want stability. They're looking for floor. They want they want to make sure that uh, you know they score and keep the other team from scoring. They're not necessarily looking for uh, the same thing we're looking for. So it doesn't necessarily surprise me that it happened. I expect that the offense to be better next year. George Pickens with a year of experience. Um, Pat Fryermuth with another year. Deontay Johnson back. Uh, Najee Harris, and, and like I said, it all hinge on uh, improvements on the offensive line. Yeah, I don't want to say it's a negative, but I, I also don't know that it's a positive because they might have been able to get somebody else in there. I think it's more of, you know, Dennis just mentioned Mike Tomlin, and yet he does it again this year. He's not had an under 500 season. I think that plays a lot into it. We we saw some good moments from Kenny Pickett. We also saw some bad moments. One thing I think, at least from my perspective and watching a lot of these quarterbacks come through college and come into the NFL, we always talk about is one thing I, I really think affected Baker in a major way, because I do think Baker Mayfield was a good uh, quarterback, is having multiple OCs and head coaches every single year. I do want to give Mike Tomlin some credit saying, you know what, let's stick with Matt Canada. Maybe it's only for one more year, but to keep some consistency and see what this offense can do, because they did not look as bad earlier in the year as they did moving on and later. Maybe Najee Harris comes back healthier, as Dennis mentioned. Maybe they improve the offensive line a little bit. They've got the weapons. George Pickens another year in the system. Deontay Johnson, like I said, Kenny Pickett now going into his second year in that system. I, I will trust Mike Tomlin, in, in my opinion, who is one of the better coaches in the entire NFL, is making this is probably more of like a consistency thing and see where this grows. Don't think he's like set in stone there. I still think he's probably on the hot seat a little bit based on what the offense did this year. But I do like that move 
for the offense in general because I think it can get better. Yeah, and I think they're probably a team that because of how strong they finished and you know making that playoff chase decided that it was working okay. I do agree with Dennis. They need offensive line help. That's probably their biggest need. Uh, down in Tampa Bay, Byron Leftwich was fired as offensive coordinator, one of eight assistant coaches who were let go. Um, as we see Todd Bowles maybe making a major change from the staff that he inherited from Bruce Arians. Some of those coaches uh, retired. Others were let go. Matt, I'll start with you. What do you think this means for the Buccaneers, and what does it mean for the future of Tom Brady? I mean, I've, I've felt like Tom's been gone since about half season, or since about the middle of the season. Not not gone playing-wise, but like gone as in he was not coming back to Tampa. It makes sense, I guess, in a way. It, they're obviously keeping Todd Bowles on as the head coach. I assume he's going to try and shape that staff more into what he wants. I mean, I know it's been a long time, but he was fairly successful early on with the New York Jets before, obviously, they kind of took a bad turn. So I imagine that's what he's doing. I, I don't know that you can put all of the blame on on Byron left, which I know there's been reports out there like Tom Brady was having secret meetings about play calling and all this other stuff, whatever. When you lose like half your offensive line to start the season and you have a 45-year-old quarterback or however, is he 45 or is he 43? I can't, 45? Okay. He's 45. Yeah. Having a 45-year-old quarterback who was never that mobile to begin with back there with multiple backups on your offensive line, your star wide receiver and Chris Godwin was hurt most of the beginning of the year. Like, I don't know how much that you can put on Byron Leftwich because Bruce Arians has said that he was the one calling the plays those couple years beforehand. That was a pretty damn good offense. So I just think it was time for Byron Leftwich to go. I'm sure he'll get another job somewhere, but it makes sense for Bowles to kind of now reshape this whole coaching staff into what he wants it to be moving forward as the new head coach of the Bucks. Yeah, I, I think Colt Bowles, for him, he was handed – the job, he was the heir because he did a good job with the defense. But I want to, if I'm going to be the head coach, especially knowing the situation with Brady, I would have almost had to, you know, look for some kind of guarantee that, hey, when this Brady th run ends, I want to be able to have an opportunity to build the team my way, whether that's coaching staff, whether that's players, whatnot. You know, there's a lot of talk uh, about them bringing back Todd Munkin as the offensive coordinator, uh, the guy from uh, OC at Georgia. Um, right now that, you know, based on the way Georgia's played the last couple of years, that looks like an awful good idea. Um, but I was talking with Garrett Price last night on the, the Dynasty Nerd Show on Better Sports Network. And until we know what's going on with Brady, you know, we don't know really what the quarterback situation in Tampa is going to look like. You know, I don't think Charlie Whitehurst and Kyle Trask uh, are the answers. So uh, they've got more things to figure out than uh, just that. And I think the start of it is, you know, I think Byron, Byron was the darling last year. And all of a sudden this year, everybody's like, oh, he's so terrible. I think Byron left, which is just fine as an offensive coordinator and uh, head coach candidate, whether or not he gets a shot this cycle to be a head coach, it doesn't look like it. I think there's certainly um, some tarnish on his image, whether it's rightfully deserved or not. I don't know. Um, 
I know there was some call for him to go back to uh, Pittsburgh and take over for Canada, Canada, but they left him. But I mean, if I'm Byron Leftwich, I'm I'm calling Brandon Staley. That's who I'm calling. Yeah, you are right. He was like a seemingly hot potential head coaching candidate last offseason to the point that I was mildly surprised Todd Bowles is the one that got elevated when Bruce Arians stepped aside. So you wonder if there was some tension there. A lot of the criticisms I've heard leveled against Leftwich were an inefficient to pass heavy offense and they couldn't run probably largely because they were missing so many offensive linemen, but Brady setting a career high for pass attempts at 45 is probably a bit of a moment of pause and it's undeniable. Their offense fell off. They were, they had scored about half as many points as they did the year before finished eight and 10. If you count the playoffs So not surprising, there are some changes there. I tend to agree with you, Matt. I don't think Tom Brady's coming back to Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay knows Tom Brady's not coming back to them, but I do think he's probably going to play again, which is amazing. David uh, Carr doesn't think he's going back to Tampa either. David Carr thinks he's going to Vegas. Or, uh, Derek Carr, excuse me. Yeah, that's very possible. Uh, probably the least surprising uh, assistant firing is Ed Donatel out as defensive coordinator in Minnesota. Uh, Dennis, Minnesota finished dead last in the league in uh, yards and points given up, which is pretty amazing that they were able to finish 13-4. and four. Are you surprised they made a move on the defensive co- coaching staff? I am not surprised at all. Um, what? Was Donatel a holdover from um, Zimmer, or did did O'Connell no, he was hire the, him last year? He was the defensive coordinator for Denver last year under Fangio. Okay, yeah, you know they didn't they didn't produce the offense. The offense played well, and I, I think it was, you know, we talk we work in narratives and you know painting a picture. And all season, there was a lot of painting going on about, oh, look at how good the Vikings are at winning close games. You know, they're, they, they, they're pressure tested. No, their defense just gave up points, and Kirk had to bail them out, and Justin Jefferson had to bail them out. Um, so, you know, when your defense isn't clicking, you're giving up so many yards, it, you've got to make a change. And, and, at some point, it's either the coordinator. It's you know Dan Campbell in Detroit went like he didn't cut the the I think what he asked didn't ask his coordinator. He asked the defensive backs coach, yeah. uh, and then Detroit turned around, and so it was a tough in in season decision. And you know it's I, I get that it's harder to do when you're winning, and my uh, Minnesota was winning games. So it's it's harder to make those changes, whether it's Donatel making the decision that, you know, we have to improve this area of our defense. And to do that, that means we need a different position coach or whether it's O'Connell saying, you know, we need changes on the defense from the top down. You know, they got to the end of the season. They lost to the lower seed in the playoffs. And uh, now Donatel is in the job market. Yeah, I wonder if there's more to this story that we don't know about. I feel like this is the opposite of um, 
the Cleveland Browns situation. There's a lot of similarities here with that stuff. The difference was, you know, um, Woods, the Browns defensive coordinator, has a ton of extremely good talent on that defense and just couldn't get them right. And Kevin Stefanski refused to fire him for multiple seasons and finally did it this year. I find it weird that he's out after one season when I look at this defense and I do not think it's particularly that good, if I'm being honest. Like, yeah, there's a lot of really interesting names on their depth chart. All of these guys are not like a couple year veterans. There are a lot of these guys are close to decade worth veterans who are not going to have the speed and everything they used to have just because you're bringing in guys like Patrick Peterson, who don't get me wrong back in his heyday, which was like three or four years ago was one of the best cornerbacks in the league. He's not that anymore. So now you're going to blame the head or the defensive coordinator because these old aging veterans aren't getting the job done. That part I have a little bit of an issue with. It's not like they have a ton of studs on this defense. Now, granted, as Matt just mentioned, they were by far the worst defense. So maybe that is why they got rid of them. It's weird to me. I don't know who they bring in that's going to make this defense top 10 because I don't personally think they have the talent on the defense to do that. But I, I do think there may be more to this story than meets the eye that they just fired him after one season after just bringing him in again with um, you know a defense that I don't think is – if you were to put that on paper compared to a lot of others, I would say it's still a bottom half of the league defense. Yeah, and they weren't very good under Zimmer before he yeah. – Got knocked out either, and that was supposed to be his forte. That was one of the reasons uh, they parted ways. Well, it wouldn't be the offseason without some quarterback-pondering questions, and so we might as well begin this week. Matt, Aaron Rodgers is mulling his future. Do you think he plays in 2023? And if he does, is it as a Packer? I do think he plays in 2023. I do not think it'll be as a Packer. I don't think he wants to go out the way that he did not making the playoffs. I mean, he's obviously openly stated that he thinks he can still win an MVP. I'm not going to disagree with the man. I think he, in my opinion, I know Brady has more Super Bowls. Since I've watched NFL, to me, he's the best quarterback I've ever watched play. Just with everything he can do, his arm talent, evading, pocket manipulation, everything. I, I think he's a phenomenal talent little bit weird but he is a phenomenal talent i do think that he ends up going somewhere else i don't know where i mean does he go back to california maybe play for san francisco who uh, you know you got, you got their young quarterback wanting out talking about how he wants to go play at tennessee and trey lance you know i don't think brock purdy's it personally yeah i know i believe aaron Rodgers has talked about the jets as he go to the new york jets to fix that situation regardless i think he goes i actually think he plays for probably two more years so i think he's got that in him uh but i don't think it's with the packers because i think they're they clearly have to make that decision on jordan love this year and i think they're going to pull an aaron Rodgers and just say we're going with the younger guy aaron Rodgers now becomes brett Favre, the guy he hated for so long and has to figure out what he's doing at the next step of his career yeah but the the contract that he signed really kind of hamstrings them if they do that this year. Um, I don't know that they've got enough, if they've seen enough of Jordan Love to make the decision, hey, we're going to add that fifth year. But I also don't think they they have the opportunity to not do it. I think, I don't think they have any choice but to pick up Love's fifth year option. It's a rookie deal, so it, it's not that cumbersome to do. You know, I think Aaron's going to head off to the desert. 
He's going to spend some time licking psychedelic frogs and getting in touch with himself. And he's going to end up back in Green Bay next year. He's got a fat contract. There are very few teams that can afford to take on his contract. I know there's a lot of salary cap manipulation, but teams that can do that are, you know, where they, they have salary cap room be, because they're bad and don't have a lot of good players. And I think he's back in Green Bay next year. I, I think that that'll be his last year there. And then they let Love take over in his fifth year. Um, but I think they're going to pick up Love's fifth year option. They're going to let Aaron take his time, come back. Um, I, it felt like going into last season felt a lot more contentious than it does this year. This year it feels more like, you know, he's an old dude who needs some rest and he needs to get away is what it feels like now. And now it's like, okay, the team kind of recognizes that. So we're going to give him some space. We've had some good talks. We feel like we know where we're going. Go lick your frogs see some visions, you know, we'll see in a couple months. So, I mean, just to point out really quick, there's at least 10 teams that can take on his contract before any actual, like other, like, so like the Raiders are right on the cusp of making that group. And if they get rid of Derek Carr, they'll be able to be able to take on his contract. Plus not counting however much the salary cap goes up, obviously this year as well as, as it continually increases some of these teams do need quarterbacks. So I, I'm not saying he won't be back in Green Bay. I just would not be surprised if they're kind of done with it. I feel like, as funny as this is, because Aaron Rodgers did a lot of complaining about Brett Favre and the way he handled things. I feel like Aaron Rodgers has, we've come full circle and become Brett Favre. And I think the Packers want to move on from him as well. He might be worse than Brett Favre. I, I think he does play again. And I think, because it would be the most unsuffer insufferable option. He's right back in Green Bay. Well, it's time. We have four exciting games to look forward to. Two on Saturday and two on Sunday. The first of those kicking it off is the nine and eight Jacksonville Jaguars at the fourteen and three Kansas City Chiefs. The Jaguars tend to let themselves get into a big hole and then fight their way back. It was a hallmark of how they closed out the season and made that fantastic run to the playoffs. And it was definitely the way they played in the wild card round where they spotted the Chargers 27 points and four turnovers. On the flip side, the Chiefs have uh, managed to, even without Tyreek Hill, have a pretty prolific offense. Patrick Mahomes putting up incredible passing numbers once again. So, Matt, I will kick things off with you. Can the Jaguars get off to a hot start, or will this be similar to the 27-17 to 17 win that the Chiefs recorded in November? I do think they have a shot to. The weakness of Kansas City's defense is those cornerbacks and the outside, where I do think Trevor Lawrence can attack uh, with Christian Kirk and the wide receivers. I don't necessarily expect them to, though, but I don't think they're going to get down into like a 27-0 hole like they did against the Chargers. That was, uh, you know, because also we, we talked about it earlier, too. A lot of that was as well. Trevor Lawrence had, what was it, five interceptions in the first half. Three of them got them, or sorry, four. Three of them, which got the Chargers in like plus territory. They were in Jacksonville's territory as soon as the interceptions were made, so they didn't have to really drive down the field. 
I expect that gets cleaned up a little bit here. I mean, uh, Doug Peterson and them had a masterful second half. I think a lot of that was it was Trevor Lawrence's first year in the playoffs. I know he was won a national championship, was all that, but it's a different game, different coming from college into the NFL. So I, I don't think the nerves and everything will be there. I think they'll be ready to go against Kansas City, and I think they will at least put up a fight here, and they'll be able to challenge Kansas City early on. I don't think that they'll fall behind, you know, twenty-seven to zero or anything like that. Football fans, so the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for Week 1, everybody can experience the thrill of DraftKings with early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if the team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, that is TPPN, and get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet this Sunday, that is code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the descriptions for the episode for details. You know, Kansas City is second in sacks and uh, seventh in interceptions. So they do put pressure on the quarterback. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence reminds me of a young culture coach. So early on in my management career, I used to think that I was this phenomenal manager because, man, there was no crisis happening in my restaurant that I could not rise to the occasion and take care of. And I was like, look at how good I am until one day my boss looked at me and said, well, that's great and all, but, you know, great managers don't have crises. And I'm like, God damn it, Mike, why do you got to bring me down like that? So, but I took it to heart and I recognized that, you know, well, yes, I was really good at reacting to that stuff and bouncing back and, and producing. If I put in a little more work on the front end and made some, maybe some better decisions, I would avoid those things. Lawrence showed us last week. Now I'm not, I'm not saying he doesn't prepare well because I do believe he does. The other teams pay their players too. Um, but he he threw four interceptions last week. It, it wasn't a, a great uh, first half, but he's extremely resilient. But as you move deeper into the playoffs, the teams that you're playing are harder to do that against. I don't think he can have that type of start against Kansas City and, and pull it off in part because I, I think Patrick Mahomes is so much better at capitalizing on those type of errors. So do I think he's going to throw four interceptions this week? No. Uh, do I think that Jacksonville is going to upset Kansas City? No. I, I Can it happen? It can. I mean, there are pro- in my eyes, there are two teams in this playoff right now that are probably, you know, just they're, they're on the outside. They're underdogs. They're rightfully underdogs. Jacksonville is one of them. And and as much as I I like the story happening there, I still think that they're they're a year early from pushing deep into the playoffs. It's a great story that they made it. Um, I 
you know, can Jackson, could Trevor, uh, Travis Etienne bust a big play? Could, you know, Kirk or Zay Jones do something, Evan Ingram? Yes, they could. Uh, but I like Kansas City's defense uh, because they get to the quarterback and Chris Jones creates such drama in the middle of that defense uh, and makes it a little bit easier for the linebackers, Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, to kind of free flow towards the ball. You know, Trevor's big. He's 6'6". You know, he's a, he's a big guy, uh, pretty athletic. So it, it'll definitely be a really interesting game to watch. Yeah, it's worth noting in their first matchup, Lawrence was sacked five times to speak to your uh, stats about Kansas City getting to the quarterback and Patrick Mahomes had four touchdown passes in that victory. I think for me, the biggest difference here is when you look at the matchup last week, if you had to bet on one of the coaching staffs uh, with two teams that didn't have either one boast a ton of playoff experience, Doug Peterson and his superior work as a coach kind of shine through in that matchup with the Chargers. That's not going to be the case when you go against Kansas City. Andy Reid, one of the most decorated coaches we have, he's been in tons of playoff matchups. Patrick Mahomes has tons of playoff experience. So does Travis Kelsey. So do two of the wide receivers they brought in. Juju and MVS didn't play with the Chiefs last year, but they've been in the playoffs plenty with Pittsburgh and Green Bay. So there's a lot more experience. They're not going to probably panic or fold the same way uh, that we saw from a little bit of a more inexperienced Charger squad. I am taking the Chiefs in this one. As am I. It's a clean sweep. The second game on Saturday, the primetime game, is the 9-7-1 New York Giants at the 14-3 Philadelphia Eagles. The Giants met the Eagles twice during the regular season. The first matchup was a 48-22, pretty big win by the Eagles. The second was a 22-16 victory by the Eagles in Week 18, where Jalen Hurts was still just trying to come back from that shoulder injury, but the Giants were not really playing their starters, so those games may be not giving us the best impression of what this matchup could be. Last week, Daniel Jones was on fire, threw for 302 yards, two touchdowns, ran for 78 yards, and Saquon broke a couple big ones off. The big question for the Eagles is, is Jalen Hurts 100% in the quarterback that we saw the first part of the season, or is he still working his way back? Dennis, how do you think this one plays out? I I think that, you know, I mentioned earlier there were two teams that were clear underdogs. The Giants are the other one. Again, I think they're a year early. Um, it may play to the Giants' favor that um, they don't have great wide receivers and Philadelphia is really, really strong at cornerback, but Philly's kind of strong across the defense there. Uh, I, I kind of disregard – I know that the Giants didn't play – most of their starters in what was it week 17 or 18 uh, and they still gave uh, gave the the other team a, a run for its money it's a division game and those are just kind of different animals and you, you kind of have to we're in the playoffs now you got to check some of that information I love what Brian Dayball has done with the Giants he is getting the most like if you had to take all 32 teams in the league and say, which one is getting the most ROI out of their head coach? It's the Giants, and it's not particularly close. Uh, Brian Dayball has delivered. Daniel Jones, if, if he can 
you know, if he rushes for 75 yards, he can throw for 220, um, not take a bunch of sacks, then that's going to kind of open things up for Saquon Barkley. Uh, you know, Daniel Bellinger is kind of a, the lost guy there. He pops up at very opportune times. But I just think Philadelphia has too many weapons for that Giants defense. They've got a lot of parts, some young parts, need to get experience with Kayvon Thibodeau uh, and, and other guys there. I like where the Giants are going. I just don't think they're going to get there yet. And it, Jalen Hurts is off the injury report as far as I know. And, you know, we got to believe that, hey, everything is copacetic there. You know, but Miles Sanders, but not had, you know, over 1,400 yards rushing, had a phenomenal year. I, we would look at Miles Sanders completely differently if they threw him the ball occasionally and Jalen Hurts only vultured half as many touchdowns. You give Miles Sanders, you know, 10 or 15 more receptions and four or five more touchdowns, and, and we're going bonkers for his potential. I love everything that the Eagles have going. You know, uh, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, they're, they did what I thought Jamar Chase and T. Higgins would do. Uh, I didn't think that there would be enough passing volume in, in Philadelphia. But, you know, those two guys crushed it. Uh, I'm on the, the Eagles here. Yeah, it, for me, this game is really going to come down to what you just mentioned a minute ago, Matt, and how healthy is Jalen Hurts? Uh, you know, you mentioned what Daniel Jones was able to do last week against Minnesota, and as we discussed earlier with with the firing of, of Ed there, they were the worst defense in all of the NFL. So it's not surprising Daniel Jones went out there and had that good of a game. You take a massive leap forward here with the Philadelphia Eagles defense, who I believe is like top, 15 and almost everything. Now the Giants defense isn't bad either. So I, I don't want to like take a shot here at the Giants, but if Jalen hurts is healthy, I do think that the Giants don't really stand a chance to win this game. Or I shouldn't say stand they're not going to get blown out, but I just believe Jalen hurts and the Eagles team overall is much better than the Giants and what they have, but it's going to be on Jalen Hurts, he's going to have to be healthy, be able to get the ball to Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown. Dennis, we just talked about Miles Sanders. I could see him having a good game here. But that's what I realistically think it comes down to, is who's going to be able to make the plays between Daniel Jones and Jalen Hurts. And if Jalen Hurts is healthy, I'm betting on the Eagles. And even if he's only like 70% healthy, I still think he's going to be good enough to beat the Giants. But that's kind of going to be the big thing I'm watching. If he's not Fully healthy, I think this could be a really close game. If he is, I think they probably win by at least a touchdown. But I think it's going to be a close game. Yeah, I think you guys touched on a lot of the the things that I've thought. The Giants are a plucky team. I love Brian Dable. I love what he's done. But the Eagles' defense is demonstrably better than the Giants' defense. The Eagles say Jalen Hurts is at 100%. It's now been five weeks since that injury. He was healthy enough to play two weeks ago and then got another bye week. So... I, I just think the Eagles are a little too talented and going to be a little too much. I'm taking the Eagles. Same. Me too. 
On to our Sunday games. And the first Sunday game is the game that never happened from week 17, the 12 and 4 Cincinnati Bengals at the 13 and 3 Buffalo Bills. Obviously, these two teams were slated to play to close out week 17 on Monday night. The Bengals were up 7 3 when that game was called and did not resume. You have to imagine there's going to be serious emotion, not just for the Bills, but for the Bengals as well meeting again on the field on Sunday. And both these teams come in with some question marks. Last week, the Bengals lost another offensive lineman, their starting left tackle. Both he and Alex Kappa have been ruled out. So they will be playing with a weakened offensive line. That doesn't bode well for Joe Burrow. He is one in seven career when he's sacked five or more times. Meanwhile, the Bills survived a battle with the Dolphins last week, but Josh Allen was not as sharp as we've seen him during the season, had a lot of turnovers. So, Matt, I'm going to start with you. Which of these teams is able to overcome their challenges and get the win here? Is this game in Buffalo? It is in Buffalo. Ain't that some shit yet? Well, they decided to go with, yeah, there's been a lot of talk about that. They decided to go with completion percentage or win percentage to be the playoff seeding. It is what it is. I don't want it, I don't want it to sound like that matters more than than Demar Hamlin. Oh, obviously, I just matters. I feel like I feel yeah. Oh no, I agree. I feel like I'm just saying like I feel like Cincinnati did kind of get screwed. They should have they should have played this in a neutral field as well. Then, in my opinion, yeah. I, I didn't realize that. I thought that they were. I was that's what I was trying to look up is where they're playing. Uh, I yeah. know only the, the AFC Championship would yeah, be that, on a neutral. For me, field. that's a little bit ridiculous. But that being said. I still think Buffalo is the better team here. Um, I know uh, Cincinnati. What did they? They beat both of them last. No, no, they can't. Kansas City beat Buffalo last year to knock them out of the playoffs. But Cincinnati has hung tough with them, as you just mentioned. The offensive lineman being out it doesn't matter to me as much because Joe Burrow just finds a way to get it done. Dude, dude's amazing. Um, and so is that that Cincinnati Bengals uh, team. I think it's going to be a great game. Probably the game of the weekend. I'm confused as to why this is not the Sunday night game. Nobody wants to watch the 49ers kick Dallas's ass t- on Sunday I'll night, but whatever. I'll tell you why. It's oh, okay. because uh, so Fox has the Super Bowl, which means that CBS will get the championship game in primetime. So the AFC championship game is the primetime game next week. And the yeah. NFC games are the primetime game this week. It's It's dumb. It is dumb because this should be the Sunday night game or Saturday. Well, Sunday night's going to draw more viewers. Anyways, I do think it's going to be a really good game. I really don't think there's much that separates both of these teams. Like I do think it's them and Kansas City are the class of the AFC, and I do think that's the better conference overall. Whoever wins these next few games will be my probably be my pick to win the Super Bowl. Uh, if 49ers had Jimmy or Trey Lance, I may say differently, but. I do think Buffalo is just a little bit better. I mean, you just mentioned they got by Miami. I think a lot of that credit needs to go to Josh Allen, who finally had like a quote-unquote bad game, even though it was actually still a really good game. Dude had thrown one interception the past couple years in the playoffs with, what was it, like 14 or something touchdowns? Like, he's been ridiculous. Goes out there against Miami, throws a couple interceptions, and easily bounces back. Ends up finding a way to win them that game. The defense stepped up in a big way as well. I understand it was against Skylar Thompson, and people want to be worried about that. 
all these teams always have that one weird playoff game where it's like, oh my God, they're going to lose to a team they shouldn't or whatever. At the end of the day, I do believe Buffalo is just a tad bit more talented. Wouldn't be surprised if the Bengals are able to pull this off and beat Buffalo, but I'm leaning Buffalo because of Josh Allen. And and honestly, I'll just I, I want Buffalo to win with everything that's happened. So that's where I'm leaning right now is as the Buffalo Bills find a way to beat the Bengals. So your question, does the Bengals line leave them vulnerable? The answer is yes. But we saw last year Burrow get the Bengals to the Super Bowl with what by all accounts was a worse offensive line. Now this one going into this week may rival that because it's they've lost a bunch of people to injuries. But they went and they gave up nine sacks to Tennessee, but then they followed up the next week by only giving up one sack to Kansas City. And then in the Super Bowl, I think they gave up seven, six, maybe five, five, six, seven, somewhere in that range to the Rams. Now, going into this game, Buffalo is very middle of the road when it comes to getting sacks. Um, they, they're 15th with 40 sacks on the season. Uh, I think that, you know, losing Von Miller probably didn't help that. It could have been better. The advantage I think that Joe Burrow has is he's played in a significant number of games where he's gotten his ass kicked by the defense and he just don't care. He may, he'll make the adjustments. He'll adjust to the short reads, the, the quick routes to slow the defense down some. If he takes some hits, so be it. And I, I feel like there's an – I don't want to say, you know, a mystique about them because there, there's something going on with Buffalo too this year. And it's going to be a really, really interesting game. I think the offensive line will hold up well enough. If if Buffalo gets five sacks, I'm not going to say I'm surprised. But if Burrow burns them on quarterback pressures, QB hits, and they give up, you know, a couple big plays, maybe even touchdowns, and Burrow gets hit making those throws, I'm not going to be surprised about that either. Cincinnati's got a tough defense. It it's shaping up to be a really good matchup. Two explosive offenses um, and two good defenses. I, I'm I'm really torn on which way I'm leaning because I I my heart kind of says go with Cincinnati because you know Joe Burrow's an Ohio State guy. I like what they're doing. My head kind of feels like. You know, Zach Taylor, you know, is he that good a coach? Is he really, um, you know, over McDermott? You know, so I'm still conflicted about what direction I'm going to go. I think it's going to be, you know, the matchup of the weekend. Yeah, I picked Buffalo preseason. I'm going to stick with Buffalo. My heart's with Buffalo. Um, but I think this is this is going to be a close one. A lot of it's going to come down to, to the pressure because this is an amazing disparity for the Bengals. Burrow is 22-4 and four if he takes four or less sacks, and he's 1-7. That one win was, as you pointed out, that nine-sack playoff game against Tennessee, so go Mike Vrabel. Um, but I am taking the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to go with my heart and take the Bengals. I'm taking the Bills. 
The final game of the weekend is the Sunday night game that Matt mentioned. The 12 and 5 Dallas Cowboys at the 13 and 4 San Francisco 49ers. This is the only game so far in the playoffs where the teams did not meet in the regular season. I know we would say the Bengals and Bills didn't finish a game, but they definitely started one. These two teams were not scheduled against each other and did not play against each other. Although historically, the Cowboys and the 49ers have had some epic battles, including in the playoffs. Both teams had fairly impressive wild card wins with the Cowboys blowing out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday Night Football 31 to 14 and San Francisco coming back from a close first half to get a 41 to 23 win over the Seahawks. The 49ers come in with a couple extra days of rest while the Cowboys are on a short week, but both of these are talent and star-laden offenses with very opportunistic defenses. Dennis, what are you expecting from this NFC clash? Dallas's defense is, is good, but San Francisco's defense is great. And, you know, we've kind of been riding the whole Brad Johnson, Trent Dilfer QB motif with uh, an outstanding defense. I think Kansas City, Kansas City, I think San Francisco can uh, win this game by a touchdown. I, to me, I feel like it's going to be another game where, where Dak has a bonehead play and, you know, the Dak haters get to come out in full force. If, you know, if Zeke was the Zeke of old, I think he could eat up some clock maybe, but we've seen CD lamb have some drop issues. Um, Micah Parsons could be the deal breaker. If if Parsons can get to Brock Purdy, it may rattle him, maybe even injure him. Um, Parsons is a difference maker on defense. I, I, I like Dallas's team a lot. I just think that San Francisco's defense is just a notch better, and it's going to cause – um, a little shakiness on the Dallas offense. And, and I think San Francisco ends up uh, overcoming it. I don't think it's going to be maybe as high scoring as Buffalo and Cincinnati will be. Uh, I, I think there's, you know, we've seen Dak put up some points in the past. We've seen San Francisco put up some points in the past. I think this is going to be more of an old school game. I think San Francisco is going to want to try to run it to protect their rookie quarterback back this may finally be the game where he doesn't throw for two or more touchdowns yeah i I, all joking aside i expect this to be a close game uh both defenses very good uh the differences as dennis just mentioned well i think san francisco's defense is better as he mentioned than dallas's where Dallas, I think, will have the advantage is in Dak Prescott and that offense. I know that Brock Purdy has been extremely efficient and good, and this Kyle Shanahan offense has worked well. Um, I think these people talking about him being this incredible player is getting a little bit overstated. We've seen players, much like a Davis Mills last year, who played really well, and then finally when these teams are able to get tape on them and a little bit more, they kind of come down to earth. He was Mr. Irrelevant for a reason. It's not... It's not like he was a third-round pick, and and he's playing to his potential like Dak. That being said, I do think San Francisco's defense should be able to slow down the Cowboys' offense to really come down to 
how much the Cowboys can get to Brock Purdy and try and offense. Uh, that defense, I think it was like top. They've kind of fallen back a little bit in the Cowboys defense uh, as the season's rolled on. I think it's going to be a very tight game. I think it, it might actually come down to like a field goal kick at the end for the winner here. And I'm taking San Francisco to be able to get that done because, yeah, that wasn't meant as a shot toward Brett Maher. I just realized that. But see how like that was. I, I That was not meant to be that way. I apologize. I do think it will come down there to like a field goal kick at the end. And I do think it will be – I imagine it's going to be the 49ers who are the ones making that kick. I just think they're going to find a way to get it done. The one little light from Monday night. You know, so to me, it comes down to a couple of things. Dak struggled quite a bit toward the end of the season, and there was a lot of people talking about it. He was he turned the ball over a lot. It was a very sharp, focused, and dominant Dak that we saw on Monday night in that playoffs, a Dak that we hadn't really seen a lot of the season. I thought that was encouraging. The other thing that would be encouraging if you were hoping that Dallas could have a chance and be in this is that San Francisco defense was incredible during the regular season, but they were not incredible to start the playoffs last week. They let Ken Walker run on them. They let DK Metcalf destroy them. They were down at the half. I was that was probably one of the more surprising first halves. It got lost because their offense really kicked it into gear and just decimated Seattle in the second half because they were a much more talented team. They're not they are probably a better team than Dallas, but I don't know if they're a much more talented team. The thing that's interesting here is, while uh, I like Kyle Shanahan, this is a battle of two coaches who are known to uh, make some gaffes in important games. Uh, I don't know which one you would feel more confident betting on, which will be an interesting uh, situation. I would be thrilled if Dallas won, but I am picking the 49ers. So am I. Same 49ers. Well, that'll wrap it up for today. Dennis and I will be back uh, looking at how we did on uh, our picks and how these teams fared on Monday. But uh, if you have a little bit of extra time on Sunday morning, Dennis, because you didn't realize that the games don't start until 3 Eastern, what should you do with that time while you're just staring off into the void of space? Well, get out those new earbuds that you got for Christmas, those nice wireless Bluetooth earbuds. Maybe go... You know, help your wife with laundry, maybe do your own laundry, do a little cleaning, some cooking to prepare for the upcoming week, kids lunches, get some stuff laid out. And while you're doing that, pop those earbuds in your ear, download and listen to the Fantasy Football Roundtable, swing on over to your favorite podcast platform, give us a rate and a review, maybe hit the Pigskin Podcast Network, listen to some other great podcasts, but definitely download, rate and review us. Everybody enjoy your divisional round weekend. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall wide already. And he's in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle in the corner. Who can make a play? I can't. Who can make a play? I can't!